famous French artist Gustave Dore was traveling throughout southern Europe. He lost his passport and he lost his papers. And he came to the border guard of that particular country. And when they asked him for his passport, he said, I've lost it. I don't have it. But you can trust me. You must let me proceed. For I am the well-known French artist, Gustave Dore. The border guard said, impossible. We have so many people who come through here, try to represent themselves as famous people. We can't do that for you. And the man said, I'm telling you the truth. I, I'm telling you who I am. And finally, the captain of the guard who was sitting in the barrack heard the argument and the conversation going on. He came out of his barrack with a piece of paper and a pencil. And he said to Gustav Dorr, he said, if you are who you say to be, will you please take this pencil and paper and draw a picture? And with masterful hand, Dorr took the pencil and he began to draw the magnificent features of the surrounding area. Within minutes, the captain looked at that picture and he said, I have absolutely no doubt of who you say you are. You have proved to me who you are by what you have done. And they let him through. When I reflected upon this, I thought of what proof do we have that David, God's champion, who has been fleeing, who has been backsliding, who has been running away, now has been fully restored and walking in the Spirit. What evidence do we have in the Scripture that this man who have turned the cave of Adullam into a prayer closet, is now walking in the fullness of God, that he has learned trust 101. What evidence does the world have that you are a child of God? What proof do the people around you have that you are born again of the Spirit of God, that you are redeemed and you are on your way to heaven? What evidence do you present to your family and to your friends and to those who surround you that you are who you claim to be you are? For in today's message, the passage gives us that evidence from David's life. It gives us proof from David's life. In today's message, we're going to be assured that God's champion, David, has learned the lesson of looking up when he's down. That he has learned the lesson. And he has passed his examinations. And that he has graduated to a higher spiritual level. That God's champion did not waste his brokenness of fear. That this man of God, God's champion did not waste the experience of pain on self-pity. That God's champions do not turn their brokenness into bitterness. That God's champions do not permit their undeserved grief to dissipate their energy. That God's champions do not allow hatred and the resentment of others To cloud their vision for their future and the future of God's work. If you turn with me to 1 Samuel 23 beginning at verse 1 and 2. Behold the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. And they were robbing their threshing floors. 
Therefore, David got down very quickly and took care of the Philistines. No, that's not what it said in the Bible. If you're not reading your Bible, you would have fallen for that. (laughs) Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go to attack the Philistines? This is the very first of four lessons that we're going to learn in the school of spiritual maturity. In the school of spiritual growth. The first lesson is this. David inquired of the Lord. And I want to tell you that if you have not learned to inquire of the Lord, you have not learned the first lesson in Christian maturity. To the person who says, God gave me my mind. God gave me my brains. And I will make the best decisions as I see fit. Listen to me please. I want to tell you something. I want to announce something to you. Look out. Because you are going to be learning this same lesson over and over and over again for the rest of your life. And you don't want to do that. Every time you experience brokenness in your life. And your first reaction to that brokenness is resentment or rebellion. You have not learned to look up. If every time you experience brokenness in your life. To which your first reaction is retaliation. Then you have not learned trust one or one. If every time you've experienced brokenness in your life. To which your first reaction is self-justification and self-defense. You have not graduated from God's elementary school for the dumb and the dumber. (laughs) David inquired of the Lord. A short sentence, but speaks volumes. Short statement, but it summarizes the walk of a Christian with his Lord and her Lord. David inquired of the Lord. In fact, during this time in his life, David wrote three more Psalms. Psalm 27, Psalm 31, and Psalm 54. And the supreme lesson that David has learned at this point in his life. It can be found in Psalm 31 and verse 15. He said, my times are in your hands. Brokenness had taught David that his very breath is in the hand of God. That God controls our times. That God controls our up times and our down times. That God controls our good times and our bad times. That God controls our joyful times and our sorrowful times. That God controlled his times in the cave as well as controlling his time in the king's palace. The exclamation points and the question marks in our lives are in his hands. You know, David learned something here and it is this. Listen carefully. That his times cannot be and his life cannot be in God's hand and in the enemy's hand all at the same time. For when he is in God's hand, gloom disappears in the light of God's sunshine. When he is in God's hand, fear departs when faith emerges. When he is in God's hand, peace comes in when learning The lesson of trusting God. All of our times are in his hands. David not only learned to seek and inquire of the Lord and seek the mind of God. But the second lesson for spiritual maturity is this. 
He refused to be deterred by the detractors. Listen to me, please. It is one thing to say, I want to discern the will of God in my life. And it is quite another to allow others to detract you from following that will of God in your life. It is one thing to say, Lord, reveal to me your will. I want to know your will. Show me your will. And it is quite another to buck the trend, to buck the system and follow that will of God. It is one thing to say and inquire of the Lord, what is the mind of God here? And it is quite another to be determined to pay whatever price is going to cost you in order to follow that will of God. David, when he inquired of the Lord and he got an answer from the Lord, naturally, he turned to his men and he said to them, a use of translation, okay, boys, God has spoken. Let's get the Philistines. And they got up with enthusiasm and followed. (laughs) No, they wouldn't budge. (laughs) They just sat there. David says, hello. God says, go. God has spoken. Let's go. But they're like teenagers. All they said is, huh? (laughs) You know, teenagers go through... A stage of what I call the huh stage. I don't speak from experience, but I can tell you that I've watched other people. (laughs) You tell a teenager, tidy your room. Huh? Tidy your room. Huh? Louder. Tidy your room. Huh? And then you threaten to maim them. Then they move as molasses flowing uphill. (laughs) That's the situation where David is in right now. He's got this motley crew that we saw from the last message. They were distressed. They were bankrupt. And they were dissatisfied and they came to him. And this motley crew came. They were excited about being with David. But they weren't excited about fighting the Philistines. (laughs) I mean, they were absolutely glad to come to David. And they were glad for David to give them comfort and give them assurance and give them joy and give them peace and give them encouragement. They were glad to come to him when they were distressed, when they were bankrupt, and when they were dissatisfied. There are many Christians who are happy to receive from the hand of God, to take salvation from the hand of God, to receive answered prayers from the hand of God, to receive joy from the hand of God, to receive the peace of God that passes understanding from the hand of God. They are glad to receive comfort from the hand of God, but tell them to witness. And I said, oh no, that's hard work. Tell them to tithe, which is the minimum requirement in the scripture. They said, oh no, we've got a lot of things to spend on ourselves. Tell them to serve. Oh no, I don't have time to do that. God has spoken. Uh Uh-huh. Please hear me right on this one. The only way our children are going to learn to trust in God and put their faith in God and to know that God is in control of their times is when they see their mommy and their daddy living the life of trusting. The only way people in the world are going to see us, our colleagues, our friends, our schoolmates are going to know the power of God is when they see it in our lives.
They're going to come trust the Lord Jesus when they see us trusting the Lord Jesus. When they see us walking differently, living differently, not afraid of their ridicule. The only way people are going to know Jesus is the way you and I are going to live our lives. And if we live our lives totally controlled by secular wisdom, then the world is not going to see the difference in our lives. Learning the 10 steps of doing this or the 15 different ways of doing that or 27 other steps to do this or to do the other thing ain't going to cut it in the world. What people are looking for are men and women who love God and willing to trust God, who are willing to sacrifice whatever it takes because of their love for God. When David faced opposition, he turned to God a second time. Now, he wasn't doubting that he heard God the first time. He was not in doubt here. He was looking for confirmation. These guys were not budging. So in verse 4, David, again, in a use of translation kind of thing, he said, Lord, did I hear you right the first time? And here's another use of translation of what God said. God said, David, you didn't only hear me right. Get off your blessed assurance because I already ordered the victory. Get out there and get them. Go down. You have heard my voice. You notice God was not displeased with David. He was not angry with David. When he asked a second time, why? Because God is a gracious God. Because God sympathizes with our honest weaknesses. Because God understands our hesitations. Because God comprehends our needs for confirmation. But I want to tell you this. God detests disobedience. The important thing that you notice here in the life of this man, inquiring of the Lord, has now become a habit of his life. The important thing that you notice here is that seeking the mind of God and seeking the will of God has become David's habit. The important thing is that David now is learning That he must get clearance from heaven before he acts. And that is why he said at this time in his life in Psalm 27 verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be strong. And take heart and wait for the Lord. Ultimately, God's will was obeyed by David. And not the detractors. He did not listen to the detractors. Which actually brings me to the third characteristic of this champion growing in spiritual maturity. That when he's down, he's looking up. And the third lesson of spiritual maturity is this. God's will is the one that must be obeyed. Fully, completely, unequivocally, and unconditionally. First, seeking the mind of God, inquiring of the Lord. Secondly, not being detracted by detractors. But thirdly, unconditional obedience. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, the most important lesson that you could learn is how to obey. You see, Moses had his detractors, Korah and company. But God was the one who was obeyed. Nehemiah had his detractors, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, but he obeyed God. 
Job had his detractors, his friends, and even his wife who said to him, he said, curse God and die. But he obeyed God. Jeremiah had his detractors, the king himself. Ultimately, Jeremiah obeyed God. Elijah had his detractors, Queen Jezebel and her wimpy husband Ahab. But he obeyed God. Jesus had his detractors. Peter did not want him to go to the cross, but he said, the Father's will must be done. Paul had his detractors, the Judaizers, the legalists, and those who refused to believe in salvation by grace. But he obeyed God. Martin Luther had his detractors. Both the king and the pope were against him. And he said, I must obey God. Here I stand, for I can do no other. Fourthly, the natural outcome of inquiring of the Lord, seeking the mind of God, refusing to be detracted by the detractors, and obeying God completely, fully, and without conditions. The fourth one is the natural outcome of following those three things. And it is God's victory. Verse 5. God's victory is yours. Someone will say, man... I never get victory. I read my Bible summer regularly. I pray when I can. And I try to do the right thing, but I never have victory in my life. (laughs) Go back. Check. Have you inquired of the Lord? Have you been influenced by the detractors? Those who are trying to stop you from walking with God and following and obeying God. Have you been listening to the voices of others? Have you purposed in your heart to obey fully, completely, without conditions? And if you are living in constant defeat, chances are you are missing one of those three ingredients. Somebody else may say to me, well, you know, I inquire of the Lord and I don't hear anything. And I just went ahead and did exactly what I want to do. You know, the problem with many Christians today is that they're trying to listen to God like a person is trying to listen on the phone. The television volume is on maximum. The stereo is blasting in the background. Lots of people standing around talking. And the phone is away from its base. And all you hear is squeaking and noise and at best, some gobbled words. At best. And you're saying, what? 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 I'm not hearing the Lord anymore. If you are serious about victory in your life, you better get serious about hearing the voice of God. You say, how do I know it's the voice of God? Good question. I'm glad you asked it. So I can answer it. For starter, God's voice is never, 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 Never. How many nevers are these? (laughs) Never. (laughs) Contrary to the word of God. If you tell me that God is somebody one time years ago came to me and said, my God is telling me to walk out on my wife. I said, what happened? She done anything wrong? No. No. I just have somebody else in mind. I'm out of of love and in love. He thinks that love is just getting in and out of the shower. I said, with absolute gentility and the way you know me, I can say things kind of (laughs) softly. You don't worship the same God that I worship. You are not hearing the God of the Bible. 
You're not hearing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're not hearing the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not hearing the God who sent us the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. You're not hearing that God. You're hearing some other God that you're keeping in your closet somewhere. David obeys the voice of God. He goes down to Keilah and he wipes out the Philistines. God already ordered it. He just went out there and picked the fruit. But I want you to watch with me how David now beginning to develop the habit of inquiring of the Lord, of listening to the voice of God. Verse 6, Abithar the priest comes in and he brings the ephod with him. I'm going to explain that in a minute. And David is told, hey David, Saul is after you again. He's out in Keilah and he's out to get you. What does David do? Saul has lied to the people. He went to the people of Keilah and he said, Oh, the Lord had delivered David into my hands. A big lie. So what does David do? He flees and runs. No, not on your life. This was a fleeing David. Now you're talking about the restored David. You're talking about the David who's walking with God step by step by step. David said to Abithar, he said, the priest, he said, bring me the ephod. So that I might inquire of the Lord as whether I should trust the people of Keilah or not. Now remember this. These are the people who are about to be destroyed. David came by the Philistines. David comes in and saves their hide. But David wasn't sure whether he really can still trust them. Now the ephod was the garment that the high priest wore. And on the breast of the ephod there were two stones. The Urim and the Thummim. And back in the days when we had high priests. The high priest wanted to inquire of the Lord. He would go to the Holy of Holies with the ephod. And he would say, Lord, is it go or no go? Is it yes or no? And if it is yes, those two stones shine brighter. If it is no, the stones grow dimmer. And it was through Abithar the priest that David wanted to discern the will of God. Now you know what? As I reflect on this, every time I read anything about the Urim and the Thummim, I said, God, I wish we had one of these, Lord. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? It would have made life easier. We don't. But here's what we have in the New Testament. We have the word of God. And we have the spirit of God that dwells within us. And when the Holy Spirit of God. And on your knees pouring yourself over the word of God. When the Holy Spirit preside and reside in your life. You're going to find that decisions are not going to be an instrument of torture. But it's going to be joy. To find. When the Holy Spirit of God is not grieved, is not quenched, is not squeezed out, you will discern the will of God and your will will align with the will of God. When the Holy Spirit is not crowded out by secular wisdom and by public opinions and what people are thinking, what people are saying, you will have the mind of God. When we humble ourselves before God, 
And we are willing to sacrifice our opinions, sacrifice our wants, sacrifice our desires, and sacrifice our wills on the altar of God. Then, and only then, we will know the will of God. So David inquired of the Lord as to whether the people of Keilah are going to deliver him to the hand of Saul or not. Just imagine the fleeing David, how he would have reacted in this situation where he's finding himself right now. I want to tell you exactly what I think, how he would have reacted. He would have reacted the same way that most Christians in churches today react. He would have used human logic. He would have used secular wisdom. And he would have done the following. I helped these people of Keilah. I delivered them from the hand of the Philistine. I have done them some great favors. After all, without me, they would have been camel meat. They owe me big time. Surely they would not deliver me to Saul. Surely they would not betray me. That's how David would have thought. But that's wrong, wrong, very wrong. Here's the restored David. The restored David is not working on secular wisdom. Is not working on human wisdom. The restored David is operating on the basis of the plan of God and the promises of God. And all of these three are contrary to the way Saul is reacting. They are contrary to all of Saul's statements. Why? Because Saul was totally out of the will of God. He's out of it. And when he was out of the will of God, he is ignorant of the will of God. He is ignorant of the way of God. My dear friends who love the Lord, listen to me please. When you are out of the will of God because of disobedience in your life, you are going to answer your own prayers. Did you hear that? Hello? When you are out of the will of God, you will not interpret your circumstances correctly. I want to conclude by reading to you verse 14. If you do have a Bible with you and a pen, I want you to circle it, underline it, mark it, put an asterisk next to it. It's one of the most precious verses in this passage. And Saul sought David every day. Every day. But God delivered him not into his hand. I don't know about you, but I want to shout hallelujah. God Delivered him not into his hands. Hear me right. Satan is after you and 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 and me. Every single minute of every day. But 
As long as you are in the will of God, as long as you are inquiring of the Lord, as long as you are refusing to listen to the detractors, as long as you obey God fully, completely, and unconditionally, God will not permit him to touch you. Spirit of God says some people here need to get right with God and get back in the will of God and get out of running away and get out of inquiring of people and counselor to inquiring of the Lord to know the word of God and let it change you and transform you. Spirit of God is telling me there are some people here who have been grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit and squeezing out the Holy Spirit out of their life. They need to repent. Open their heart up and say, Holy Spirit, come. The word of God that you take it for granted. Lord, help me to pour my life daily in knowing your word and understanding it. Whatever condition you're in, the Lord is saying that the Spirit is moving and speaking to you. The Bible said the word of God is like a sword. And I don't know about you, but... I never get the word of God into my life without that sword causing some bleeding because it is a sharp sword. It cuts. And if the sword of the word is not cutting anything in your life right now, you either have grown so callous that you're not listening to the voice of God or you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. In either case, my call is repent. Turn around. God is, wants to restore you. God wants to use you. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.